Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is the TeacherCast podcast, episode number 174. Today, we're going to be talking to an author and educator about questions, the questions that you ask your students and how they respond and together, we're going to try to figure out how you can ask the right kind of questions, if there is such a thing as right or wrong questions. Before we get to our guest today, I want to remind you that there's a lot of great things happening this week on TeacherCast. Of course, on Wednesdays, we have our live Tech Educator podcast, 8.30 Eastern time over on TeacherCast.tv. And as the weather warms up, so does TeacherCast. Lots of great stuff happening. We are going to be live at the ISTE conference coming up in Chicago at the end of June. Lots of great things. There. You can find out all the information about our time at ISTE over the last six years over at teachercast.net slash I-S-T-E. We, of course, hope you join us. A lot of other great things are happening, but before we get to those, I want to bring on Eric Francis, author of the amazing book, Now That's a Good Question, How to Promote Cognitive Rigor Through the Classroom Questioning. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you today? Great. How are you doing there, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Educator for over 20 years. I've been a middle school and high school teacher. I've been a site administrator. Worked for the State Department of Education out here in Arizona. That's where I am. And about 2012, I started to go and uh, do education consulting, helping schools set up their Title I programs. And I formed my company, Maverick Education LLC. It's spelled M-A-V. E-R-I-K, which is my name and also uh, my daughter's names, Madison, Avery, and Amanda. And I'm also a child of the 80s, so you can probably guess what my favorite movie is. So, and I just love it. Top Gun, you know, because uh, people forget my name, but they'll call me Maverick, which is kind of funny. So, uh, so as I said, I do Title I consulting, but I started to do more professional development and doing a strategy that I did as a teacher uh, using inquiry and what I call good questions. So I started doing professional development and also presenting at conferences around the country. And uh, I was approached to write a book, and you have that book in your hand. It was published by ASCD in 2016. And uh, since then, I've just been traveling um, throughout the United States. I've also been uh, international to uh, Canada and Singapore, and I'll be going back to Singapore this fall uh, working with uh, their teachers on how to create good questions and also be presenting in Dubai also in the fall. That is uh, pretty impressive there, Eric. Now, uh, many people who have been listening to the show know that we've been doing a lot of uh, podcasts with our friends um, over at ASCD, and they've been asking questions throughout this series here. Um, Some of them I'm going to ask you at the end about the book creation process. How does it work? How do you get involved? What did it take? But you have to listen to the end of the show for that. But first we do that. Um, Eric, let's just kind of talk about the whole concept here. Why is it important that as educators, we examine the questions that we ask our students? Well, really what's important about it is that we should be using these questions not only to serve as assessments to determine uh, how deeply our students can think and also how they can express and share their learning, but also we want to use questions to really set the instructional focus. Teaching is very, very directive. Teaching is about uh, statements of objectives, which is what our standards are. Do this, do this. And we're directing kids to do things and having them do things, but we're not having them communicate how and why things the importance of questions. With questions, 
you don't give answers, you address and respond to them. So when I'm asking good questions, for example, if I have a standard that says fluently multiply multi-digit numbers using a standard algorithm, well, they're just going to do it. And you can give them 20 problems and all that's going to tell you is in that setting. It doesn't really tell you whether they understand and can basically apply that concept. So if I can flip that question, that excuse me, that objective to say, how can the standard algorithm be used to multiply multi-digit numbers, or how could multi-digit numbers be multiplied using the standard algorithm? That I'm actually basically stimulating their thinking two different ways. One is asking them, can they demonstrate and communicate procedural understanding, but also can I give them hypothetical situations, which allows them to multiply these multi-digit numbers more than one way. So when we're looking at these concepts here, Eric, is it about teaching teachers to write or to ask the proper questions, or is it about teaching teachers how to have proper communication with their students? Because a lot of this sounds like it's just being able to get down on the student's level and get the right information out of them. It's both, actually. It's about how can you rephrase statements of objectives or even factual statements into good questions that not only will serve as, again, as assessments, but set the instructional focus. What I say in the book is that a good, it's not what a good question is, but what a good question does. So a good question should stimulate deeper thinking. When you ask a question, for example, I say the worst question we can ask kids in English language arts is what's the central idea or theme of the story? Because it's posed as a subjective question, but it's really an object. It's really posed as an objective question, but it's really a subjective question because you can say, do you want what I think, what you taught me, or what the book says? But if I give you five different themes and say, how does the outsiders, for example, address the theme of rich versus poor, family, social class, um, honor, um, uh, basically friendship? And then I ask them, which one do you think is essential? Now you got the kids thinking even deeper. You're having the kids giving them a purpose to read, but also defending and explaining their own thinking. And a good question also deepens knowledge, understanding, and awareness. So when I'm asking you a question, it's not so much I'm trying to see what you know, but telling you this is what you need to go and find out. This is what you need to go and look at your research and your investigation. But more importantly, you want to have a good question, allow kids to express and share their learning in your own unique way. Again, it's not about the answers. It's not just what is two plus two equals four. It's why does two plus two equal four? If the kids can know and understand that, they can answer any math question they get. So, so let me see if I can throw one at you here, because as, as, you're, as you're talking here, I'm kind of getting nervous because I'm the one asking you these questions here. Let me see if I can pose this the right way. How does the book, now that's a good question, help me as the technology coach provide a better instructional level for my teachers in my district? I think I got that right. What it does for you is that basically, oh, no, that's, that's fine. Don't, don't look at the questions being judged. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when you're an English teacher, you're like, please don't check my out. Don't worry about it. Um, I say actually a bad question is one that's a leading question or one, for example, lawyers use those kind of questions like you did this, didn't you? Um, or a yes or no question actually is a bad question because it's a conversation killer and a cognition killer because there's only four ways you can answer it. Yes, no. I don't know and I don't care. 
Is that so? so? In my book, what I do is I identify eight different types of questions we can ask the kids that will get them not only to think deeply, but also express and share the depth and extent of their learning. Uh, the big thing about it is clarifying what is an essential question. Because when I ask what's an essential question, I say, what if I said it's based on, it depends on who you read. Because Grant Wiggins and Jay McTighe says this, and Ted Sizer actually came up with the essential question, says that. And John Larmer, who does project-based learning, says it's a driving question that gets kids into, into uh, project-based learning experiences. So I actually said there's four different types of essential questions. Universal, which is those larger-than-life questions. Um, overarching, which is basically the core idea and enduring understanding of a subject. Topical, which is about the unit you're teaching. And driving, which is about... What can you do? What can you design, develop, and do? How would you? How could you? So when you look at that book, it also breaks it down to individual types of questions, like factual, to build up background knowledge. You have analytical, reflective, which gets the kids thinking deeply. You have hypothetical and argumentative, which gets the kids thinking critically and creatively. But also you have affective, which asks them, what do you think? How do you feel? What do you believe? That's them getting emotionally involved. And the personal question, which is the most powerful, which is about having the kids come up with their own question, finding the uh, answer, and then sharing it with the class. We are here talking to Eric Francis, author of the ASCD book. Now that's a good question. Eric, what got you interested into this topic? How, how did this whole progress uh, project start for you? Well, what's interesting about it is when I was a teacher, um, I used to teach out of my content area because we'd have uh, hard to fill positions and I would give up my prep to go and teach out of my, my content area. But what I found myself doing on the weekend is I'm basically was learning the stuff before I taught it to the kids. And I would go and basically do all the questioning for myself. I would research, I would examine, investigate, design these PowerPoint presentations that would rival a James Cameron or George Lucas movie. And then I come in on Monday and say, hey kids, look what I learned. And basically they weren't paying attention. So what I decided to do is I started to flip it and I said, okay, you know what? The questions I have about this, I'm gonna ask you, you're gonna go look at it and you're gonna go and teach me. So the kids actually felt better about it because they were actively learning. I let them use their cell phones. I actually uh, basically went, uh, my discipline issues with cell phone usage went down because I had the kids on task. They were learning how to search information. Um, it also happened in my English class as well because one time I was doing a lecture about Mark Twain. We were doing a Mark Twain study, and I said, Mark Twain's the original bad boy. And I got 90 papers back that said Mark Twain was original bad boy, <laughs> and only one person cited it. So I decided to throw out my whole approach and my whole instructional delivery and just really started doing things with inquiry where I wanted the kids to talk and also express and share their learning more than I was basically uh, expressing sharing my knowledge with them. So instead I said, how is Mark Twain, uh, why is Mark Twain the original bad boy and uh, what influence did he have on modern day comedy and satire? So really what I felt with it was that the kids we're really, really taking to it and really, really going with the active learning with it. So I started teaching that way. And that's how I turned into my professional development. That sounds pretty awesome. And, and I, as you said earlier, you're able to work with school districts all over the world. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the book? Pretty good. I mean, what, what it is, is that what's interesting about it is that uh, a lot of the uh, teachers in the older grades have really taken to it. The younger ones kind of struggle with it. And uh, they, they look at and say, can I ask these questions to my kids who are in grades K through three? My answer is yes. 
In fact, what's interesting is that those kids in grades K through three will ask you the good questions. Um, research shows that a kid between the age of two and five will ask about 100 questions a day, and they're usually all from their mother. And then when our kids start going to school, they stop asking questions and they start l stop learning through questioning because now it's the teacher who's directing the teaching and learning. And also the teacher is the one who's asking the questions. And the kids also um, don't feel uh, comfortable taking risks with asking questions because especially starting in third grade, when really you start to get more of the focus on assessment and also the focus on high stakes testing, there's no time to ask questions. You got to teach your stuff. You got to go through your stuff. So. Uh, for the most part, people have really taken to it. I think the bigger thing about it is not so much even just reading the book, but also having me do the training with them. You know, I, I compare it to like music is that you can listen to the album, but really uh, the, the show and the real spectacle and the real understanding of it is when you go see the band live in concert. So when, when I work with people one on one and they read the book and they see what the different types of questions are. That one-on-one -on -one where I'm working with in my professional development, helping them rephrase their standards and learning targets into questions, that really is the most beneficial part of the whole thing. For more information, you can go over to mavericheducation.com. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-K education.com. Um, Eric, when people are asking you to come on out, what's the most common issue that you see that you always say, all right, we're going to start right there and we're going to see if we can expand their minds together? You know, what's interesting about it, it's it's so different every time I go to a school and really I don't go in with a cookie cutter professional development. I really want to make this tailored to the school and tailored to their needs. Um, I, I get all different types of reactions and responses. Um, people telling me I'm already doing this. Well, that's fantastic and great. I would love to see how you're doing this. Sometimes I come in with a strategy on how to turn it into questions and the teachers can't do it. So I've literally, there are times I've basically thrown aside my whole PD and said, okay, let's make this a way that everyone in this school can understand and develop it and develop our own way to turn standards and objectives into questions. So it really, it just, it depends upon the school. It depends upon the individual teacher. It depends upon how much time I have. Um, I can tell you that a whole day, uh, workshop works much better than a two day, two hour, uh, uh, professional development, which I usually get 90 minutes because usually it's right after a staff meeting. Um, so essentially, I, I think it's just it's just really it's different every single time. And the great thing I enjoy about it is that I learn something new every single time I do a professional development. I mean, the book you have in front of you is a snapshot of my thinking at that time. But I've learned so much from all the teachers with whom I've worked and really has really developed me as a better uh, questioner and someone who uses inquiry in the classroom. So, Eric, before we wrap up, I want to ask you some of the questions here that other um, listeners of ours have asked other ASCD authors. Let's kind of start with how did you write the book? How long did it take? And and what was that process like from, hey, I have an idea to um, trying to find a publisher? It took a long time. Um I was doing this as a professional development, and a couple of publishers actually saw me uh, present at uh, the ASCD National Conference back in 2014. And they approached me and said, well, you know, would you like to write a book? I always wanted to be a writer. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to write comic books. Uh, before I became a teacher, I went to work in the film industry. I wanted to be a screenwriter. I wanted to be a novelist like Stephen King. Um, I, I, I never thought I'd be writing books on education. 
but um, it, it's it's a long process. It's uh, the editing process is very very involved. Um, sometimes the book you you pitched is not the book that comes out. Uh, my original idea for now that's a good question was to do every chapter on a different subject area, and ASED uh, really guided me and facilitated me through the process. Um, it was a long time, but uh, you know you, you got to have uh, really strong perseverance. Um, you have to understand and be willing to uh, collaborate with your editors. You have to really also uh, pick your battles and, and figure out what swords you want to die on. I think sometimes uh, we as, as teachers, we, we take such you know, pride in such, you know, this is like our baby where we don't want anyone to tarnish what we do. But sometimes you got to have an outside perspective to say, hey, this is not working or, hey, you can make this better. And that's what I was really appreciative about with ASCD, with the, with the editing process. Um, it took a long time to edit. I mean, this was my first book and it was a real um, lesson learned. Um, I would like to write another one. I mean, you always say that after you write the book, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this again, but I would like to write the other one. But um, my, I guess my best recommendation is figure out who you are. What's your niche? What makes you unique? What makes you different? Um, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can innovate it. I mean, this book is based upon so many people who influenced me, Jay McTighe, um, Carolyn Tomlinson, Doug Fisher, Nancy Fry, um, Richard Cash, who's big in the gifted world, Carolyn Coyle, Rick Wormelli, uh, all these people really influenced me. And what I just wanted to do was create something that really was something innovative in how we can use questioning. And it's very heartwarming to know that I, I you know, I've made, I've influenced other people. I mean, I get, I get emails all the time saying, wow, I'm using your questions. It's really great. I want to write a book. And, and uh, it, it was just really, you know, an, an interesting process with it. But it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of patience, and you, you better learn know how to write. I'll tell you that. that. That is something that many authors who have come on have, have echoed of. As you said, sometimes the book you pitch is not the book that pops out. And in the process, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why am I doing this or how did I get to be doing this? What have you learned from the process? that basically uh, less is more. <laughs> uh, don't overwrite. Um, don't write to impress. Don't write to sound profound. Just write, man. I mean, it's like, like Matthew McConaughey says, just, you know, just, just keep living, man. You know, it just, just write, man. That's, that's really, it is. And just keep writing. Don't edit yourself. Uh, because if you edit yourself, you just, you just never going to get your book done. And someone's going to edit you anyway. And, and just, Trust in your vision, trust in who you are, and just realize that that book is a snapshot of who you are at that time. But I think the biggest thing you have to realize in the end is that the book is not the answer and solution to all your problems or, all, or you know, makes all your dreams come true professionally. You know, it, it's got to be about you. Don't don't write a book because you think, oh, if I write a book, you know, I, I'm going to all my problems will be solved and my, my life will change. You know, I, I'm still the same guy I was when I, uh, you know, before I published the book and, and hopefully I'm a better person after I publish the book. Um, but just, you know, just write be, not because, you know, you want to write a book, write because you got a message out there and figure out what you can put out there to help other people and make other teachers uh, better than they already are. 
The book is called Now That's a Good Question, How to Promote Cognitive Rigor Through Classroom Questioning. Eric, I'll give you the last words here. Any advice that you want to give any teachers as they're wrapping up this school year, thinking to themselves, how can I make the end of this year memorable and next year even better? Really figure out how you can shift your instructional focus where your kids are demonstrating, communicating your lear- their learning deeply. And also ask yourself, am I working harder teaching or are my kids working harder than me to learn? And also shift your, uh, your focus. I mean, I get a lot of people say, I have a lot of stuff to teach. Well, you got to ask yourself, do you have a lot of stuff to teach or do they have a lot of stuff to learn? And if you go with the latter, you really will find that your perspective and even your, your, uh, your vision and your outlook and what you're doing, it'll completely change and manage your time well. Figure out how you can have your kids working harder learning than you teaching. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we want to say thank you out there for taking the time to listen to our show. I hope you guys learned something. Pick up the book. There's going to be links, of course, on the TeacherCast Educational Network. This is TeacherCast Podcast Episode 174. We're going to have links to the ASCD site, to Amazon, and, of course, to your favorite book retailer. Again, the book is called Now That's a Good Question, How to Promote Cognitive Rigor Through Classroom Questioning with Eric M. Francis. And of course, we hope that you enjoyed this show and all of our other shows in our ASCD series. We want to say thank you to our friends over at ASCD for bringing on their great authors and sharing their passions with us. And of course, with that, we want to wrap up this show and remind you that there are several great ways to be a part of this. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. And we love it when you email us over at feedback at teachercast.net. Don't forget to stop by iTunes and check out one of our nine podcasts over there. Give us a big subscription. Tell us that you like us. Leave us a great review. We can't wait to see you this summer at ISTE. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.